Athletic Brewing. I cracked open an Upside Dawn Golden Athletic Brew. And let me say this. No matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor? It's athletic. Award-winning styles? It's athletic. Huge variety? It's athletic. Fit for all times. That's a registered trademark, guys. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to a Wednesday episode of the VanCast, Farhan Lalji and Thomas Drance. Normally we're in the same city, unless Drancer's on vacation, which we, we had for three weeks. This time I'm in Ottawa. There is no hockey in Ottawa. There's just football. And I guess if we're doing an audio podcast, probably doesn't matter where I am. Where I am not is in Alberta, where Calgary is trailing three games to one to the Edmonton Oilers. I'm like the most hated man in Edmonton. But, I know. Because uh, you called Drysaddle a nobody. No, I, I, but I walked the Drysaddle part back, but I doubled down on the rest of it. And that still pissed everybody off. So what are you going <laughs> to do, right? You, you you can't make everybody happy. We do know that it is the most thin-skinned market in the country. Edmonton? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's an argument for it. The thing I love about Edmonton, the Edmonton market, is like the level of hardcore, passionate hockey knowledge is through the roof. Now, it's a little too technical. They don't get as like geeked up for the drama as we do in Vancouver. They get more geeked up for like, Tactics and, and player utilization, but the level of hockey talk, the appetite for hockey talk in Edmonton is through the roof and so much higher than it is in the most casual hockey market in the country, which is Calgary, right? Like flame no support, flame support runs an inch wide or sorry, a, a mile wide and an inch deep, right? Whereas, whereas Oilers fans like Canucks fans, like Leafs fans, like Montreal Canadiens fans in two languages are just completely obsessives. And so respect to that. I love that. But yeah, yeah no question. It's, but thin when skin I say is thin true. Skin, like the, the town kind of gets a bad rap, right? So everybody yep. gets their backs up and everything gets personal. So because like for me, you know my never ending hate for Toronto. Like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm neutral with the Raptors, but like Leafs and Jays, I just flat out despise, admittedly. So when the Leafs 
miss, like when the Leafs lost to Tampa, much like when the Blue Jays have lost previously, like I'll send out a tweet with fireworks, like pure celebration. And everyone, <laughs> I, I don't have to put in a word, but everyone will know what I mean. And I might get two or three responses back from some scorned Toronto fan. But this, like there might be three, four hundred. It's, it's unbelievable. It's quite, it, it's funny and inspiring, quite honestly. Um, because I've stopped paying attention to it, but just every once in a while I'll peek in on one and there's like just venom daily. Every time somebody scores, oh, who's new? Do you see a nobody? And and the Edmonton Twitter account, like the Euler Twitter account, basically made their poll after the last game based on my suggestion. They didn't use the word nobody, but they said, who's our one tonight? Uh, you know, because I said they were a one-man team. So anyway, it's... Uh, <laughs> good stuff <laughs> yeah i mean look mcdavid's been incredible he he is the biggest story but for me markstrom's the biggest reason this is a 3-1 series so far we'll see if he turns it around you know at the end of the day calgary has two home games and this is the one you got to win right the blues showed it like the blues won that game five and all of a sudden well now let's be clear you have to win game five six and seven but this is the one where you can start to apply pressure. You win this one. You go back to Edmonton. Maybe some callers get a little tight. You need to win tonight. Um, obviously, it's a must win, a true must win. But also, you know, this is how you build momentum. You got to win the fifth game. Calgary has a few advantages at their backs. They've controlled play better five on five in this series. Um, you know, they're still the better team and they've got two home games remaining. We'll see if they can. We'll see if they can get it done tonight. It feels. It feels like a really big game for the Oilers. Like, I feel like see, I, I look at it as that was as contained as McDavid has been in these playoffs, right? And they still won, right? Yeah. So if you're Edmonton, yep. you're feeling pretty good about that. That you could actually make the case that we weren't a one man team for one actual game, and you know they they won despite the fact that McDavid had an assist, right? So. And when I look at Markstrom in that last game, I don't know that it was bad goaltending from the standpoint of soft goals. Like the first play was just a mistake, right? Like it wasn't a a, a save that should have should have happened. It was just a guy that stubbed his toe in that moment, much like the final three quarter length shot goal against Smith that tied the game, right? So when I looked at Markstrom in that one, it. I didn't see the softies, if you know what I mean, right? Like, there I was do. a mistake. Well, and there was that huge save on As opposed to just goal the... shots you should have saved. And there was the huge save on Dreisaitl. Yeah, Like, massive. Sure. Massive save. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, but, you know, 850 for the series is not going to cut it. No question. They're, they, I mean, they need, they need him to become the story for a different reason. They certainly could use Mike Smith becoming the story for the expected reason. And if they, you know, that if that flips and they just keep doing what they're doing, this is we're going to see a game seven. But whether or not that'll occur, um, we'll see. Well, you know, we'll anything see. Anything can it's, happen, Drancher. You've been known no, to say that. No, stop it. Anything can happen anything in a game. Anything can happen. Anything can happen in a series. Anything can happen in a game. But non-elite teams don't win cups. No question. But right. this is, you know, this is bordering on an elite team. That's what the fans in Edmonton would have you believe. They're complete. Uh, they, they, Everybody's contributing. They, it's know, not, they know that's not true. You know, it's funny, too, because do you remember in midseason when things were really spiraling? I remember I had a tweet that was like, the Oilers are going to be fine. They're a playoff team. They're going to be fine. 
Now, I didn't say the Oilers are going to beat the Flames. I didn't think they would. But, I, you know, I didn't buy the Oilers' panic. And I tweeted that and then for weeks heard from fans in Edmonton <laughs> that the team sucked because they kept losing for another, you know, 10 days before before turning around and making me look good. Um, <laughs> so it goes. So it goes. I, I really have been a cooler, though. I don't think I don't think I've like predicted a single result in the, the last four games. Like if I was betting on hockey the way I bet on basketball, I would be so icy the last four or five games, like since Saturday night. It's been like one of the one of the weeks where everything that I've expected to happen has gone the other way. It's been it's been quite an experience. So I'm glad I'm glad for a lot of reasons that I that I, in fact, do not gamble on this sport. Hey, I want to turn the conversation really quickly um, to Brock Besser and it's his, a tough right turn. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry, but it's it felt it felt important to get it to is. this. Yeah, it is. Um, so Brock Besser's mother has posted on the family's public caring bridge page this morning, um, surfaced by David Quadrelli, and this is the note from Lori Besser. Uh, our beloved Duke is skating his last lap around the hockey rink. He is at our home resting. Our family is close by his side. He's had some wonderful visits from family, friends, and neighbors. Please pray for his comfort and peace as he makes his way home to our Heavenly Father. And please pray for our children as this is so very hard for them to let go. I just wanted to note this news. Besser, of course, shared, you know, some of the some of what he'd been working through in his season ending press availability. Uh, We could tell immediately how heavy this was weighing on him, understandably so. Um, you know, more than anything else, though, our thoughts are are with Duke at this moment and with the entire Besser family and with Brock himself. Uh, we're we're devastated to hear the news. Uh, tremendously sad, extremely sad, and something that Brock has been dealing with really since he's been a Canuck. Right? I mean, the health has been an issue for a long time. Duke has dealt with it from everything we've been led to believe, with a tremendous amount of strength and grace. And from Brock's perspective, it's it's been up and down, right? As you'd expect for any son, any daughter, anybody that has to watch this and feel helpless. And whether it's affected him on or off the ice or on the ice, it certainly doesn't matter. It's not important. But um, just from the mom's post, you can tell, right, that, that all the children are feeling this right now. And our best goes out to him because when you saw what happened at the end of the season at his availability, you can tell that this didn't just affect him. It affected all of his teammates because he means so much to them and they've been witnessing it firsthand. Yeah. So it's a tough situation for everybody. I'm sure his teammates are going to be there for him. And um, I, I, I don't know what else you can say. It's been a long road for their entire family. It just just awful news today. Um, in in Canucks world, and and wanted to certainly make sure we acknowledge that uh, before getting into some in, into some other topics. And and look, Farhan, it's quiet around this team right now. You know, it is like, I, I mean, I had heard that things were pretty quiet on the extension front with Besser. Uh, I wonder now if uh, you know what's going on with his family um, is, is partly. Uh, is part of why is part of why I mean a contract doesn't matter right now right like it doesn't and so no yeah you know while while I'd heard that the sides were intending to talk soon um you know I hadn't heard much since and and sort of the sense I'd got was that things were very preliminary 
And I do sort of wonder if this is a, a partial explanation for that. Not, not that that's either here nor there. I'm just trying to steer this conversation to more hockey related waters. Um, but, you know, the Horvat, Miller, Besser, it, the, the extendables is what I'm calling them. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's sort of the big thing looming over this team now. Right. For me, the, the status of those three players, what can this group do? to keep some of their best players together affordably because with the way that they've structured things, with the way that these contracts toll and with where the team is at, which is, you know, to say out of the playoffs for the sixth time in seven years and not good enough, frankly, as constructed, you know, you do need to be careful about allowing a core group that isn't, you know, part of a perennial playoff team to get too much more expensive and too much older together Right in charting a future course for this franchise. So, you know, for me, the 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 talks around those three are going to guide much of what we see from mid July on, and I do expect that we'll hear an awful lot more about where things are going over the course of the next five six weeks. Even though things seem to be pretty quiet on all fronts for the moment. Yeah, and when you look at uh, Ben Kuzma yesterday, wrote an article, or was it might have been this morning on Besser and how the one-year contract by Patrick Lyonet that, that Columbus took might have an impact here as far as a potential Besser's contract is concerned. They're talking about a potential three-year deal. What's the right number? Because you want to buy some unrestricted free agency time. What is the right number in terms of where you think this is going to come in at? Let's assume that they don't do the qualifying offer or that they, they, they make it, but that it doesn't turn into one year 7.5 is what he's going to play on this year. What ultimately becomes the right number for Besser? Well, I mean, the Lion A, the thing is, is like Lion A's on a one year 7.5, right? So that's that's what Besser is entitled to as his queue up, right? So, um, you know, the way that that becomes the settlement is just that the offer is tendered, right? And then it's accepted. Like, that's it. You know, that's that and that's that's a relatively straightforward route that this could go. Um, but, you know, it's in the team's best interests in terms of, you know, minimizing that cap hit and, you know, potentially enhancing uh, Besser's overall value as, as an asset for the club to come to a long term settlement. And, and the way to do that is to go with a two or three year term. And and I expect that a two, you know, uh, two or three years is kind of the sweet spot player probably prefers two. team probably prefers three because uh, of when the person hits unrestricted for agency. But, um, you know, that, that would seem to me to be the sweet spot and the, and the way you sort of do it is pretty straightforward. In my view is you structure the deal so that in the first year salary wise, like it's front loaded. So in the first year salary wise, you basically acknowledge the the QO and and pay seven five in salary and and you know then you go down from there. So let's say it's seven five, um, six five, six two five or whatever, and it comes in at six point six or six point seven, right? Like that's one way to structure a deal so that all sides leverage is represented and you get a UFA year out of it, and you know the player gets security, the team gets. Uh, the same cost certainty anyway. So, you know, it feels like one of those ones that has a common sense solution, but 
we'll see how much progress can be made. Uh, you know, the the one year times seven five remains a very likely outcome. Uh, but again, you know, at today anyway, uh, for for Brock, for his family, for this Canucks organization, this is sort of a very much a backseat issue. Uh, the Miller Horvat thing, you know, remains to me sort of the more interesting one because the team's control expires, you know, basically in 13 months, right? July 1st, 2023, Horvat and Miller can be unrestricted free agents. And and obviously this club can't afford to get to that point uh, with both players walking uh, Son's return. You know, like there needs to be something that occurs, but there's no timeline or pressure points upcoming, right? They're not eligible to sign extensions until the 13th of July. Um, you know, the team has some time. You could go into next season with both guys unsigned. You could go into August and still negotiate. You could get an extension done at training camp. You could get an extension done in December. You could get an extension done after the season. Um, you know, up until the trade deadline, you have a chance to monetize the assets should you decide not to not to sign them. But I do think the history of trades for forwards of this caliber does suggest that, you know, you're probably best off moving in the offseason and so I do think the club sort of faces a sign or deal decision. Certainly with Miller, maybe, maybe they feel less. Maybe they feel that a little bit less so with a homegrown player like Horvat. But I mean, I, I think in both cases, you know, if you're not going to be able to either reach an extension for the 13th of July or have a good sense that you're trending in a favorable direction, I, you know, I, I do think the team probably needs to strongly consider uh, moving moving on and. You know, I, I, I'd expect they will, but, you know, we'll see. There's still a lot, a lot in the air, uh, still a lot about this club's offseason plans that we don't know or, or have a good sense of, uh, especially because, you know, Patrick Alvin's played this close to the vest and, and this management group is new, right? They're, they're new. They're, they're talking in a way that lends me to believe that there's a cogent understanding of where the team is at and the distance still to travel to become among the NHL's elite. So it's a it's a big distance, but you know, having seen how the club performed for fifty seven years, considering how complicated this offseason is, you know, I, I don't think you'd be wrong necessarily to consider wanting to take one more year and see where you're at before maybe considering even more dramatic changes. Although, you know, uh, at some point, you wonder how much fans in this market are just willing to wait at this point for the emergence of a plan. Like it's been so long since this club seemed to act decisively and you know, time, time feels nigh for some progress to be made one way or the other. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about some of the other variables that might influence some of those decisions as well as the rest of round two of the Stanley cup playoffs. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, Drencher, Elias Pedersen's three-year deal, which is one year down, two years to go. How much does that impact what happens on the JT Miller front? In and of itself, it doesn't fit the window. The, the term is going to be too long. The asset value is going to be too great. And it does make a lot of sense to make the move. However, you've got Elias Pettersson, who theoretically is going into his platform year because you'd want to extend him before the final year. And don't you want JT Miller to be a part of that? Doesn't Pettersson want Miller to be a part of that? How much does losing Miller impact Pedersen's mindset going into the year and potential contract negotiations the following offseason? It's a really interesting question for a variety of reasons. You know, I think the I think the fact is is that, you know, obviously team quality has a massive impact without question on how players value the stability of of whatever situation they find themselves in. I, I mean, that's no that's no secret here. Um, but you know, I do think, I do think in a, I, with where the Canucks are at and, you know, they can't let the feelings of players multiple, like, you know, in Pedersen's case, you're a full 13 months out from even considering an extension, right? And you can't let well, how will he feel about it if we don't sign JT Miller and take a step back? Like, you can't be making decisions in that mode, in that defensive mode well, at this why stage. Why not, though? Because he's a cornerstone player, and you need to make sure that he's got faith in the organization and where it's going. And JT Miller's a quality player. And you're not going to look at Elias Pettersson and say, look, we're going to win four or five years down the road. You've got to tell Elias Pettersson that you're going to be competitive right now. When well, you sign that to, deal, you have to for sure, which is why you have to be self confident enough to, you know, make the right decision for the franchise and know that even though Pedersen's expiring in 13, you know, uh, more than that, 25 months, you've got 25 months to build a team that he wants to be a part of. Like he's restricted in 25 months anyway. It's not like he's a UFA, you know, it's not like you're facing you're it's not like you're over a barrel you've got Hughes locked up long term you've got Demko locked up long term you've got 25 months with Pedersen and then he's expiring you can't be defensive about going about building a team patiently and in a way that results in you ultimately icing an elite team you know if you keep taking into account the things that don't matter, like Pedersen's feelings now about a decision that he won't make for 25 months uh, and, and that even then he'll be restricted on, um, you know, that's, that's not what matters. You have to keep your eyes trained on, you know, bolstering the club's sort of arsenal of, of weapons asset-wise, right? Whether it's the prospect system, whether it's amassing draft picks, carving out cap flexibility, and getting cheaper and younger at the NHL level. Like that's and, and better too, but that's sort of the side product of of the fundamental 
sort of aspects of building a good team that this club has ignored for too long uh, while building an NHL roster that's, you know, not good enough and too hard to dissemble. So, you know, you just it can't be in the foreground of this club's thinking this far out from restricted free agency. Like, it just can't. It cannot be that. that They need to be focused on winning and the desirability of the organization as, as a destination to play for. Like, that follows. That'll follow. Modernize your facilities. Install good process. Um, start carrying yourself like a world-class organization or, or sporting organization again, which the club has, has not done in far too long. And the rest will follow. That, that's my view of it. I, just, I, I, I can't even think about Pedersen's feelings about the matter now um, because he's 25 months out from being restricted, right? He's 37 months out from being unrestricted. Like if, you know, if Rutherford and company can't build a really good team or, or at least a team that looks like it's on the precipice of being really, really good in 37 months, well, then Pedersen's decision to walk or stay is, is, isn't even their biggest issue. Another point I want to ask you about is Quinn Hughes. Now, think about the discussion we had three years ago about Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr as who should yeah. win the Rookie of the Year. And certainly you made the case and the numbers backed it up based on his value to the team and the difference he made on the ice for the Canucks relative to what Kale McCarr did for the Avs, that Quinn Hughes should have won Rookie of the Year. When you look at these two players now, I mean, and this is not to diminish Quinn, because Quinn Hughes has certainly improved his game. He had the sophomore slump, but this year he's been very good again, broke a number of Canuck records, and certainly the best defenseman in Canuck franchise history. But Kale McCarr, especially in these playoffs. In my mind, he's the second most impressive skater behind Connor McDavid. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, look, he's been great, but there's a lot of this that goes around, especially like we're seeing a lot of it with McDavid right now, right? Where it's like, oh boy, I'd feel bad if I was a heart voter that didn't vote for McDavid. And it's like, really? Because I don't think McDavid should win the heart. Or, you know, like, I don't think McDavid was the heart winner this year. Um, not Not to tip my vote, but... You know, I didn't think he was. I I thought the defensive game was good, but improved. He's improved a lot defensively over the past couple of years. But I thought Austin Matthews played Selkie quality defense. McDavid had 123 points, a career high for him. It's incredible. It's the, you know, fourth highest total uh, in the cap era points wise. Amazing. Uh, Not taking it for granted, but Matthews scored 60 goals. And that's actually rarer than producing 123 points. Only three players have done it in the cap era. And by the way, Matthews missed nine games, right? Like, well, could he have but scored the five? a better team. Yeah, I, I, I'm not disputing that. But they're, they were a better team this year in part because of what Matthews accomplished. Like, Matthews sure, has more... McDavid Matthews also has, carried the Oilers into the playoffs. Yeah, but the Oilers, I mean, like, what when you look up and down those lineups, obviously Toronto's deeper. For sure. But it's not like McDavid plays with nobodies. You know, it's not like the Oilers. <laughs> it's not like the Oilers are. As a matter uh, <laughs> of fact, I said he does. <laughs> well, nobody's relative to this level of competition. But it's not like yes. the Oilers. Like the Oilers are not a playoff team without McDavid. I agree with that. Right. But it's not like they're terrible. Right. Like up and down that roster, you've got Dreisaitl. You've got. But, Hyman, the, but the Leafs are a playoff Kane. team without Matthews. V- probably. Probably, but they're not, not an elite. They're not an elite team without Matthews. 
No, they're, no not. they're not, but they're a playoff team. McDavid makes a bigger difference in the Oiler lineup than Matthews does in the Leafs lineup. I see. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, the Leafs are playing in a much tougher division, but this season, their back end is significantly better than Edmonton's, and they've got a deeper lineup this season for me. Like the thing is, is you also have to factor in that the Pacific was not as imposing as the Atlantic for me, particularly at the top end. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think the Leafs, the Leafs are an elite team without McDavid, or sorry, <laughs> without Matthews, right? I don't think no, the, Leafs the Leafs are, an elite are a team. playoff team in a better fine, division. Fine. But bringing a playoff team up to the level of an elite team for me is a greater leap than bringing a playoff team into the playoffs. I know that the playoff bar is like the more sexy one to focus on, but it's like, it's really hard to be a top five team in the league. It's a really hard leap. Like the leap is massive and they don't get there without Matthews. They're just, you know, an also ran playoff team. If Matthews isn't there, uh, that, that leap to me, I weight that higher than I weight the bar from regular season to playoffs. That's just how I view the game. And then when you factor in Matthews's superior impact without the puck and the 60 goals, something we just don't see, particularly not from a player who missed nine games, um, you know, I thought Matthews was the MVP. And, you know, I thought Shesterkin had an incredibly strong case, too, because the Rangers are definitely not a playoff team without Shesterkin. I mean, they're they're not even good and without Shesterkin, in my opinion. And so, you know, I. Like, honestly, I thought there were three guys with with really good cases. I actually think you could have made a pretty good case for Johnny Gaudreau, too. And, um, you know, I just don't think McDavid was the heart winner. That said, if you had to vote on the Conn Smythe winner through the first 11 games of the playoffs, I don't think you'd have to think very hard, right? Like, but that doesn't mean that post, uh, like, ipso facto, <laughs> McDavid should have been the heart winner just because he's taken over the playoffs. It's not how it works. Well, it's a listen, regular season award. I am all about Edmonton, so I am all about Connor McDavid, just for the record. Yeah, fair enough. Um, that said, kill McCarr. Let's get back to that. You, you turn sorry. this back to McDavid. Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, no, because, pe- you know, I still I'm not believe... Trying to re- I'm not trying to revisit history on the court. Well, I, I'm not saying that. I'm no, just I, talking no, to you about how good I am. Kale McCarr is right now, and when you talk about... He's incredible. The best defenseman in the league. Yeah, he's, he's that there. guy right now. Yeah, he is. Uh, the way that he can counterattack, like you focused on the skating, and I think that's dead on. The skating is, he's he's a ton of fun to watch. He's remarkable. And all of that said, I don't regret my take in the least. I thought people slept on Hughes for the um, for the. Um, Norris and I'd still be fascinated to see what what could what could Quinn Hughes do with you know a, a deeper faster team the better p- better poised to take advantage of his skills all that said I don't think he could take over games necessarily or or attack on the counter the way McCarr does like if you send a pass too far and McCarr gets it it feels like it's a split second and it's back in your zone and it's a scoring chance you know Quinn Hughes slows the game down where where Makar speeds it up in in a totally different way, and when you combine that skill set with what the Avalanche have, boy, it's it's lethal. Although, man, I'm worried about that team. That was a huge, huge missed opportunity for the Avalanche last night. No question, and that was where I was going to take you next, right? I mean, do you give St. Louis a chance here? I don't. Like I do, I, I, I do. Get what I happened. do now. Two games to go. Colorado's too good. You'd think so, but. 
like and I don't I believe in momentum in the playoffs. I and I don't believe in emotion in the playoffs. Like it it floors me. I've always said this before, just the level of mental and emotional toughness that NHL teams constantly show me every playoff after the most gutting loss. And I don't believe the hangover from that game is going to affect Colorado going forward. Even you, McKinnon afterwards, it's supposed to be hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel you, but, you know, I feel you and I agree. I mostly agree. Like, I obviously believe in Colorado. I think they're I think they're the best team on talent in the league. But you can't ignore the history now. Right? Like the Colorado Avalanche led with under 4 minutes to go in game 7 uh to get to the conference final in the bubble for 10 seconds. They took the lead and 10 seconds later Joel Kivaranta tied the game and then won it in overtime, completing his hat trick, right? The next year, they won the first two games against the Vegas Golden Knights in the second round at this stage of the playoffs, including a 7-1 demolishing of the Golden Knights in game two. At that point in the, at that point in the playoffs, the, the chatter was, can anyone stop the Avs, right? I think they lost game three in overtime, right? And then everything fell apart. They lost three straight and the Vegas Golden Knights advanced, eliminating the Avs. This year, now, at the exact same stage, they take a 3-0 lead, cough it up, get what should have been an iconic series-clinching goal from McKinnon, cough that up, and then lose on an absolute muffin in overtime. You lose game six here. If Colorado loses game six here, um, this starts to feel like the yips. And so that narrative is now in play for me that 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 narrative i don't believe in the in this types of things i don't think the avalanche are cursed i don't think they have a mental block here but it's hard to ignore that history and that's definitely something that they're also competing against they're now not just playing the blues they're also playing their own legacy over the next two games and yikes i i think i'd feel uh pretty nervous to be totally honest with you farhan if I were an Avs fan today, Avalanche are going to win in six in St. Louis. Much like the Canucks were dealing with their own legacy in 2011 against Chicago, they clutched up, and it's not even going to go to overtime. The Avalanche are going to win comfortably in Game Six. Yeah, I, look, they should. They should have won comfortably last night. Uh, they should have. They should have. No question. Yeah. But I, again, I don't think. I think that team is too talented. They're playoff My- built. Their goaltending is <laughs> going to bounce back. All of it is there. St. Louis right now, especially with their goaltending situation, not going to happen. It's going well, to be in six, Colorado. My brain agrees with you, right? My brain agrees with you. But, you know, my brain would have said, Calgary's the team that has a chance to fight back and the Blues are done. And so because it's playoff hockey, I'm sure the opposite's going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, you're saying anything can happen. That's not true. No, I'm saying I'm saying right now anyway. Cra- uh, crazy pathways to logical outcomes. Correct. Right. So so you know, St. Louis can win around. Edmonton can win around. We could see an Edmonton St. Louis conference final. Probably won't, but we could. Yeah. The 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 logic will come in though when you bump into the lightning or the hurricanes in the final, right? Like when one of those teams faces them and is shooting on Vasilevsky and is like, all right. Only elite teams win the cup. 
Got it. But imagine that, though, if Edmonton gets through this and winds up meeting St. Louis instead of Colorado. Talk that about the be, stars aligning. I mean, for, for the Oilers, for sure. But for the NHL marketing department, I think you want the McMatchup. Yeah, you do. Uh, on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up because uh, we've made our picks. Actually, have you made your pick for Colorado or sorry, for Calgary and Edmonton? What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, my I picked, you, I you're picked going Calgary. Calgary and seven. I had Calgary and seven all along, so I never, I never counted the Oilers out here, but I didn't expect them to get it done. Well, I'm going to take Edmonton to win this series. I think Edmonton's going to win it in six. Well, gutsy, gutsy! Mc- you're taking them. You're taking them when they're up three one. That's no, a but gutsy I'm saying pick. they're going to win the, <laughs> gonna win the next game. Okay, Look, they were it. all played in the last game. Sorry, they're, they're playing the game five here. They, the fact that they're they playing lost game five that tonight. game, Calgary lost that game while containing McDavid. That's yeah. That's going to buoy Edmonton a lot, and I don't think you're going to be able to contain McDavid twice. Man, we we re, we do need a game six just so we have something to do on Saturday night, eh? Uh, yeah, this is game five. Yeah, that's right. So they're so. So am I going to say they're winning in five? I can't say. Yeah, that, can I? I don't know. It sounds like you're going to. Oh wow! I'm not. I'm obviously not betting because I had Calgary, Calgary winning in five. Then, well, there you go. So you you're already wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be wrong twice. I, I think I had abs in five, so I was deprived of of one exact series call uh, yesterday. And then I had Carolina in six, so that's still in play. I had Tampa in six, so they they accelerated. Uh, they they beat the Panthers quicker than I thought. Um, but either way, I'm definitely going to have at least one wrong, and and knowing my record in the playoffs so far, at least two wrong. So <laughs> the bad picks keep coming, but. Remember, as you said, right? Illogical paths to logical conclusions. That's what I'm expecting. At the end, an elite team will win the cup. That's all I know. Well, let's just hope that Calgary and Colorado play in the next round, but I don't think it's going to turn out that way. Me neither. It'll be uh, Colorado and Edmonton. Um, Anything can happen. (laughs) Anything can happen. On that note, one thing we know is going to happen is we're going to wrap up this episode of the VanCast. We'd like to thank all of you for listening, for logging on, for tuning in. Right now, you can get uh, memberships to The Athletic for just $1 a month for the next six months. And we will be back next week. Uh, Who are we going to get? Should we get the VIPs to request a guest? Sure. If they would like to, yeah. We'll, All right, we'll let's go, do we'll that. Go, we'll go find someone. We'll go. We'll go get someone good. Okay. But yeah, but let us know. Let us know who you want to hear from. We'll uh, we'll put the ask in. Thanks for listening. For Drancer, I'm Farhan. We'll talk to you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.